Attention human, prepare yourself for the double pick cast. Hello and welcome back to the Double Pip Cast. We're almost every week. We catch you up on the goings-on within the Transformers TCG universe. This week, we have a very special episode, a very special guest. We've got Daniel Arnold, the winner of the Energon Invitational for 2019 on the Double Pip Cast with us. What's going on, Dan? Hey, how you doing? Um, Not much. Just happy to be here. Happy to have a good conversation with you. Yeah, hey, uh, I'm happy that you're here. Uh, I've got a couple of good questions, and hopefully uh, you can fill in the listeners, myself, on what it takes to be a champ. So, uh, rolling right into it, is it true that this is not your first, not your second, but your third major Transformers TCG event for the year? Uh, yeah, I would say that. I was at Origins, I was at Gen Con, and I was at EI, so yeah. I I was able to compete in all three and succeed in all three, uh, to my standards at least, so uh, yeah. Yeah, so for those of you who are listening that aren't aware, uh, not only did Dan win the Energon Invitational with a Optimus Prime focus deck, he also came in second place at Origins this past June, with an Optimus Prime deck. <laughs> uh, yep. So, Dan, And for what's worth, top 16 at Gen Con with an Optimus Prime-centric deck. <laughs> okay, was that Battlefield Legend, or did we... No, it was, the, the general? It, was general, it was General Optimus, yeah. Okay, so not Gleaming Commander Optimus, though. No, 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 not yet. <laughs> yeah, awesome. So, hey, uh, besides winning, what, what was your favorite thing about the Energon Invitational event over there at PAX Unplugged? Well, um, I've been to PAX Unplugged all three years now because it's, you know, it's a hometown for me. So um, when the event started going, it's just it's like a fun atmosphere. Um, but as a whole, I think uh, just meeting a like like I've met a lot of people throughout the year, but there was still some that I hadn't met um, and some, you know, that I guys that I talked to online from time to time. And like really the coolest thing, I think, is like um, the guys that I did meet like at Origins, um, for example, uh, Adam Eichenberg, you know, he's a Dallas guy. Uh, like, I've been to his store in Dallas. I played with him. So it was really just fun, like, you know, seeing him again and catching up again and stuff like that. And, and some of the other Dallas guys, too, that I've, you know, come to know. And and just, like, even, um, like, our team, you know, our team isn't all based out of Philadelphia. So, like, it's not like I get to see everybody all the time. So even, like, Gabe and uh, the PPG crew with George Machado and them, like, coming up and, like, staying in the house with them. And it was just, like, a good time. And, like, it's not always all about the cards. Like it's about what happens after cards and what happens before cards and just having those fun conversations, interactions with everybody. It was just a blast all weekend. Yeah. So you're putting the, the faces to the names, greasing some palms, you know, talking, talking it up, catching up. Uh, and and by your team, you're talking about vector Sigma, of course, right? Yep. Yep. Team vector Sigma. That's us. (laughs) Okay. So, um, so you guys had a good time. You guys went out afterwards. If you, if you had some energy, yeah, we uh, we we had like planned all along to do this um, like happy hour at the field house, which is like right around the corner from the convention, and like that started at three o'clock. Um, so like obviously, when we made all the arrangements, like we didn't know they were gonna separate the semifinals for uh, like between two rounds. You know, it's like basically like I played in the semis and then Stefan. And Ian played in the semis. 
Uh, so like there was like a lull period where I didn't even the finals didn't even start until after three o'clock. So we had to actually send like Vince and Palmer to the field house to just like make sure we still kept Squat. our area and everything. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, oh, you guys just go and we'll get there when we get there, you know. So uh, yes, that's but, funny. Yeah. That's cool. So it sounds like you had a good time. Um, and Watsi was there, right? Uh, Drew and Matt were there. Yeah. Okay, so you guys were able to uh, kind of get the inside scoop and sit down with them, and yeah, just... I mean, I, I I've talked to Drew now a couple different times, um, and I've met Matt at a uh, at Gen Con, and I I was able to speak with Matt at Gen Con, but like the whole weekend, you know, we they were there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, also, so like we we were able to talk with them like all weekend. Anybody was they they they're actually very very. Uh, you know, friendly and forward with everyone. So they're always conversing with like anyone that wants to talk to them, which is really awesome for the game, to be honest. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, anytime that they can not only be in the same place, uh, but to, to interact with the, the group is awesome. And, you know, we've had drew on, on the podcast a couple times and yep. he is a very, very awesome dude. Uh, yeah. It seems. Yeah. Drew's a, <laughs> a funny guy. Yeah. So your team, Vector Sigma, I know reading, um, you gave credit not only for, you know, part, part of your success, uh, your deck list, uh, you gave credit to someone else, and you'll have to remind me of their name, um, but I'm sure your team helped you in scrims and, and deck crafting. Uh, what did that process look like? Um, so for us, um, pretty much like... From the day that Seed was released, uh, we had gotten together on that Friday. Um, we had gotten together the, again that Sunday. You know, so we we were doing our best to try and get together at minimum once a week, like in live sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, if we if we could make up for it, we would go two times a week. Uh, we had weekly meetings, you know, discussing you know what we had found. You know, if someone had some type of idea, um, we had like a minor amount of like online testing. Um, I talked to Scott Landis pretty much every day about something Transformers related. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's really just about like staying up and and just always being committed to one another and doing your best to like, if someone wants to try this, like just aiding them in the right direction and if someone wants to try that, you know, it's all about just, you know, trying to take the negativity away of like things that you know, like you may have found that didn't work, but someone else is like still kind of holding on to, you know, like there's that like that line where you're like, all right, like this isn't working for me, but like maybe if you try it, this, that, and that, you might find something different, you know? Oh, yeah. It's a little engine that could. Right. B- right. Belief is half the battle. Right. Uh, what would you say is more important or how would you break it down in a, in a ratio? Uh, the deck, the characters, or the person piloting the deck? Is it a 40-40-20? How would you break it down? Um, that's, a, that's a good question. Um, I, I want to say that piloting is pretty important um, because, like, you know, you can give the same deck to, you know, 10 different people, and five of those people might not understand half the deck, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and you could see the difference very easily, you know, even from like a term one aspect of what one person would play and value over another person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. I I do believe the deck is important. And I know like just for us as a whole, as an example for Vector Sigma, our two most important things going into the Energon Invitational were 
what can beat Shockwave and what can beat Blaster. Like, they were the two sides of the spectrum that we had expected most players to play and be the most valued decks. So, like, pretty much anything that we were going to decide to play had to be... It had to have a matchup against both of those decks. Um, so, like, th- like when it came to deciding what the final deck was in the, you know, in the final hours, um, it, it was very important to figure out if the Galaxy Prime deck could compete against those other decks along with, you know, a variety of what we also assume would show up. And what was the last part? <laughs> uh, it, it, Pilot you know, deck and characters. Yeah. Right? So, so your battle cards and the oh, combo sure, within, sure, sure. and then your 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 actual well, characters, right? Sure. Okay. Like, like for me, like a battle deck is, is it, you should never have like the same battle deck for like a different character. So, like you know, like it, there would be a different battle deck for Battlefield Legend Optimus Prime than you would have Galactic. Prime, you know, so like mm-hmm. both of those battle decks would look vastly different because mm-hmm. you would want to, you know, play to that that to that stature, uh, like to basically level up that character as best as possible. Right. With Battlefield Legend, you would want more actions that are efficient. With Prime, you want more upgrades so you can play off them, you know. So right. Um, but yeah. What was the what was the the bread and butter combo, if you will, or, or what were you hoping to achieve uh, at minimum with that deck? Was it getting the three utilities on to Optimus? Was it just getting him statted up as much as possible and swinging big? I think um, that the real truth is, like, we had a Galactic Prime deck in our gauntlet, and most of the time for me playing it, uh, what I was undervaluing was that you actually don't even need to necessarily do those things. You know, like, it's more of like a, a... benefit when it happens you're like oh like i actually got the matrix this time it's like oh i actually got the energy pack this time really what it came down to is that he's just an eight attacker with 21 health that Mm -hmm. happens to have all this extra stuff and when they happen it's great Um, right you have to deal with him right otherwise you're gonna get dealt with right so the goal was is like yeah like anytime like you can put um like like throughout the game it kind of changes pages where like matrix of leadership is like phenomenal like the like at the first turn you can get it is going to be the best possible turn because you will now get extra value throughout the entire game as long as your other guys are alive um and then the later the game goes obviously energy packs become more important mm-hmm. so it's just it's a matter of like when you hit your utilities and if you're lucky enough to hit them off your flip how much more that affects the game. So it's like, it's one of those where like, yeah, at the end of the game, it's like, if I can have one matrix and two energy packs, I'm probably winning that game. Like it's, it's not easy to kill a 29 health Optimus prime. Right. Right. So with, you know, where we talk about strategy, we talk about turn order. What would you say is more valued? And it all comes down to the, the situation, right? But, uh, say you have, you're going up against, a a character like Optimus Prime, he's, he's, you know, halfway to being fully loaded. Mm-hmm. Do you try and bring him down with a disarm or some removal? Or do you, you've got a grenade launcher in hand, do you try to take out one of the small guys? How do you, how do you make that decision that could either win you the game or lose you the game based on that one card play? You have, you have one action play. What do you go after? Yeah, I, th- this is definitely like one of those hypothetical questions. It's like impossible to answer based on all the information. Mm-hmm. But uh, generally speaking, it's one of those like it definitely depends on what is on the Optimus. Mm-hmm. Um, 
if like you know they have two matrix leaderships on the Optimus and that is threatening enough for from like the flame or the skydive perspective mm-hmm. um where they're going to be a threat like say if they have a nobles blaster or an energon x or something like that on them so where they're already threatening some type of damage um you have to respect that um so you have to know like how you have to really value how much damage you're going to do to the Optimus prime so if like there is a sparring gear on them and you can't like you know that like your grenade launcher plus your flips is only gonna do, let's say five six damage, and it's only gonna put them to like a twelve or thirteen, and then like skydive is just gonna be able to kill your character off. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to make that call, right? Because it's like, mm-hmm. well, I'm gonna do this, but like if skydive is gonna be able to pick me off, and then I have to find another grenade launcher, find another thing, it's it's very tough. Now, if you can set it up to where you're gonna get Optimus to say like a twenty or a 19, you know, and you put them in the kill range, where in the next turn your disarm plus your attack might be good enough, that's that's the kind of decision you would have to weigh. You'd be like, all right, well, if I can get him to that that level and that height to where, you know, he's only going to flip two blues next turn because I'm going to get rid of his sparring gear, I'm going to get rid of his extra health with the energy packs from the disarm, you would have to make that call. Yeah. It, it's tough because you can go for the sure thing, even though it may not be as efficient. You're either overkilling or... Right. But is it worth it to be going against a two wide or putting more damage? I mean, regardless if that Optimus has one health left or two health left, he still is going to swing for the same amount of attack damage. He doesn't get right. weaker. Right. right. So, yeah, that's, that's that, that pilot thing that we go back to is you know, what decision do you make and is it a make or break decision? And at what point does it become a make or break decision? Right. It's... It's very, very situational in almost every game because, like, it, it, there, there's games where, like, they don't have a matrix of leadership. So, like, the little mm-hmm. guys probably aren't going to do any damage, so they're not as important. Mm-hmm. And then there's games where it's like, oh, well, he has two matrix leaderships and he has a noble. Like, he has all these things. It's like, the longer I let that guy live, the more damage it's going to do to me. Yeah. What would you say is the most surprising thing, uh, whether you saw it and were surprised by it or you didn't see it and you were surprised that it didn't show up? at the uh, most recent event um i don't know we 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 predicted the meta pretty well um Mm -hmm. but i will say personally um i was most intrigued by my top eight opponent uh william gomez Mm -hmm. and his uh nemesis prime tailwind deck now not the nemesis prime tailwind deck part i actually like you know we have we had tailwind decks left and right and even up to the day, we were going to play Jetfire with Tailwind and Nightblade. So mm-hmm. um, th- we weren't shocked at all that, that Tailwind and company showed up. But his sideboard actually intrigued me the most. Um, he sideboarded into Springer uh, Overwhelming Advantage. And it was a very, very interesting way to play Overwhelming Advantage in a four-wide mm-hmm. deck where all your guys have stealth. So you kind of just like suit the guy with stealth up and then go off. And you get Springer, which facilitates everything so incredibly well so um i was actually very very afraid of my top eight opponent um in the in the sideboard of games because i knew if i didn't draw you know the correct cards at the right time that he was going to be able to overwhelming advantage me and there was nothing i was going to be able to do about it <laughs> yeah yeah overwhelming advantage is a very cool card uh tough to pull off right like you said but yeah, a yeah. very very cool card uh neat part of the design space um what did you see cars? I know uh, everybody likes to kind of bellyache about uh, the one-sided meta, and it, it's easy to say that if you're not 
in there doing it every day like you are. But, uh, you know, we didn't see any cliff jumper decks, right, like we saw earlier in the year, or was that still a thing? Um, I mean, like, for what it's worth, there there were some dangling, I believe, in the top 32. I believe Mm -hmm. um, my opponent in round five, which was still a sealed game, but he was playing cars, and he ended up um, 6-3 with cars and finished 16th place. So, like, he, uh, I believe he was... um, Clip jumper downshift wheeljack, I want to say. I, I think okay. that's correct. Um, other than that, you know, there were some floating blue car pierce decks um, and stuff to that, but there wasn't anything dominant done by cars decks. And I, for what it's worth, I'm not shocked by that. Uh, I, I do believe that they, they didn't have a great matchup against bugs. Mm-hmm. And like, it, it's very, it, it wouldn't be easy to see this from the outside there, but on the top tables in like those last two rounds, there was about five or six bugs decks, like kind of all in the running to make top eight. And only one of them got in, but they were they were there. They were at the top tables. So they were probably picking apart any of the cars decks or any of the tanks decks that may have been kind of low kind of like laying around. So bugs, the the deck that people love to hate. For yeah. those those listening that haven't run a bugs deck or haven't come across it, can you give them the real quick elevator pitch on what you're trying to do with a bugs deck? Uh, you have a scrapnel, which is awesome against 50% of the meta. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it just soaks up a bunch of hits because everyone's trying to do the most damage. And he's like, I take three. You now have this awesome card called Energy Transfer and Wedge Formation that can heal the scrapnel, which can make it even more annoying for your opponents. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the end, you have two of the better characters for their star cost in the game with kickback and barrage uh you know kickback flips eight to ten plus cards whenever he flips and barrage is just a five attacker with bold two most of the time and he hits very very hard the deck is a very very good deck uh it it, by no means do i think it's going to go away anytime uh this is going way back but in an interview we did with drew at gen con he even states in the interview that bugs is meant to be like the default aggro deck for new players to pick up and play um so i just believe that that's the type of deck that definitely isn't going to go anywhere now i do believe some of the newer stuff uh like the tailwind decks that you had seen that were in the top eight some of those decks might start to try and creep to try and replace the bugs deck but in the end scrapnel will still win all those matchups uh he's just a very very powerful card right and and it it also helps you learn certain things like turn order, who yep. to flip when. Yeah, because um, Bugs is very, very flip heavy. Right. And well, if, at least if you fizzle, <laughs> yeah. right, like if you do something out of order, then your synergy is kind of off. Am I wrong? No, yeah, you're 100% correct. Yeah. So we talked about, you know, people getting in, beginners. Any tips for people prepping for the 2020 competitive season? Whew. Um. I, I, I will say this much. I, I feel that, and I'm not trying to knock anybody by saying anything like this, but I feel a lot of people like to come in and they like to be creative and they like to try their new things. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I can tell you is that I believe there's enough information out there from the Energy Invitational that if you're a new player, I, I would personally suggest picking up one of those decks that have already shown its worth, that's already proven what it, it's capable of. So I would take one of those decks from the top eight or, you know, any one of the reports you can see from the top 32 because all those decks were in contention. 
um, to make top eight. And I would try and learn the game with a deck that's proven. And then as you get better at the game and you learn the turn sequences and you understand the battle cards better, that's when I would start tinkering with like a fun deck or like a pet deck, as, as you would call it. Um, th that's my best suggestion I can give any new player. Right. Yeah, very similar. I don't know if you play video games like League of Legends or anything like that, but there's yep. st stats online and right. there's the builds. top pros are playing these things with a 55% win rate. Yep. So instead of trying, like you said, instead of trying to do something crazy right off the rip, yeah, do what's working. There's it's it's not solved, but no, no, it's it's proven to have some power, right? Yeah, and I think that's the best way to learn. It's it it's also like for me, um, it's one of those like get inside the head of the people that are good at this. Mm. You know, like like you know, how often do you play a game and you go watch a YouTuber that you like and that's good because you want to learn tips from him. Or you watch a Twitch streamer, you know, it's one of those things like you should take take the time to think how they think to help yourself learn and grow. For sure. Hey, that's a great tip. And for those of you listening, don't be offended. Just listen to my man, Dan. <laughs> and then one of the things outside of probably swag, the big obelisk trophy that you got, oh. uh, probably a cash prize, mm -hmm. you get to help design or design a card for a future set am i wrong nope that i i, I do get to do that okay uh have they been in contact with you at all the, or is it the the process has not officially started yet no okay and then uh do you have any idea of it how in-depth it will be they're gonna say hey you can choose from these five archetypes or is it gonna be willy-nilly yeah, I, 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 I wish I could tell you these questions. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know what the rules are going to be. I don't know if, like, I'm only going to be able to choose a certain character from, like, an upcoming wave that they already have kind of coming. So, like, I don't actually know any of these things um, yet. Uh, hopefully, I, I learn them soon, and I can maybe start answering questions about that stuff. Yeah. Well, I can say I, this much. As, as yeah. a... As like a long term, long time card player, pretty much half of my life at this point, I am extremely excited to be able to do that. That's awesome. Yeah, have it's it's not only something really exciting that you get to make it, you get to play with it, but then <laughs> when things have come and gone, you can have that framed and you can say, I remember when. Yep. And yep. hey, you might be able to even show off your your game design chops and get in yep. good. Yeah. So when you come back to work, uh, you don't have to, you know, you're like, oh, man, I'm, I'm back to work and I can keep designing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we know you'll you'll do us proud and you you won't do anything crazy like designing a roller card or. No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, hey, uh, I'll give it to you. Do you have anything going on uh, with Vector Sigma or anything that uh, you feel that my audience needs to know about um for for us you know we have the uh the patreon that we've been doing now for since they announced op um which is where you know you kind of get to pick our brains on a day-to-day -day basis and you know, we help build decks we show you our decks um we do we a lot of behind the scenes deck techs and special videos on like gameplay matchups of like specific meta things that we do which is um, you know, a ton of fun for us to do as a whole, to be honest with you. Um, and then uh, on top of that, like we, uh, 
we have the charity event. We have this charity event coming up, which um, I can give you the link for if you want, uh, just in case anybody wants to donate. It's for a good cause. It's at the end. Of, it's I think it's the last weekend of the year. and We're doing it for um, an adoption agency for animals, which is we're doing it. We couldn't time it right to do the Toys for Tots like we did last year, which was unfortunate. But, you know, it's, with the EI being so late this year and kind of just the whole weekend's coming up. We just couldn't do it until after Christmas, which was unfortunate, but we just figured, hey, we'll do it for a good cause. Awesome. Well, yeah, we'll take that link and we'll throw it right into the uh, Apple and cool. Google uh, cool. episode description. And oh. awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, Dan, thank you very much for jumping on, uh, giving us a little look into what was a crazy fun weekend. And, you know, we would love to hear what you've got going on. I uh, hope to see you at the next competitive event and can't wait to see what card you design thank you yeah it was a real pleasure coming on i was really uh really excited when you asked me yeah well thank you very much thank you all for listening and stay tuned for the next episode where we will be interviewing stefan pinkney and then right after that we'll be interviewing kevin allen